Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Plodcast. Before we get started, I wanted to introduce you to a brand new series from Canon Press titled The Christian Heritage Series. The men in the Christian Heritage Series paid a high price for the words you see before you. Not all paid with blood, but each spent his life's work on these books. The faithful sacrifice has become a rich inheritance for the church in our day. The Christian Heritage Series aims to put these important theological classics on every Christian's bookshelf in colorful, well-crafted, and affordable volumes. The first release of this series will be Martin Luther's The Bondage of the Will, with a helpful introduction by Douglas Wilson. A notable quote from the introduction about Luther's book, One more caution should be made before we begin. This may be the only classic theological work you ever read which makes you laugh out loud multiple times. Get Luther's book with the introduction from Douglas Wilson with the link in your show notes or head to canonpress.com. Now to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. This is the podcast, not just any podcast, but this is the podcast. This is episode 128. So, a couple of episodes ago, I talked about uh, Andrew McCarthy's book, uh, Ball of Collusion. And this is a story that just keeps on giving. Um, first, the FISA court is F I S C, um, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. Now, what this uh, court is, basically, this is one of the safeguards uh, that we're supposed to have had. So the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, the Fourth Amendment and the Bill of Rights, says that every American citizen is to be guaranteed freedom from unreasonable searches and seizures of personal effects, goods, you know, whatever, files, whatever. And this would include phone, computer, that sort of thing. And... uh, Everybody has a right to be secure in their own possessions for, uh, and be secure against unreasonable searches and seizures. Now, uh, the advance of technology is, um, has created some genuine problems for us uh, in, this, uh, in this whole area. It used to be, uh, and we s- see this in uh, the, the language of, um, that's still sometimes used, Things like wiretap, right? Nobody sneaks into someone's house anymore and uh, taps a wire, taps the telephone wire. What happens is if they, what they do is they sweep, they vacuum up all the data, which is um, flying around loose and is being stored in, uh, on servers by big data, by Google, by the national security, the NSA, and so on. Now. Here's a little illustration of, um, you can have a little fun with your neighbors if you want. I'm not actually recommending that you do this, but if you have a wireless network at home and you want to um, have a little fun with your neighbors, just rename your wireless network FBI surveillance van number 17. You'll get all sorts of uh, excitement in your neighborhood. Like I said, I'm not really advocating that. But it illustrates the problem. Um, 
if you go if 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 you're working on your laptop at Starbucks, um, it's frequently the case that your data is not secure. Um, that it can be vacuumed up, right? Now the but we still have the Fourth Amendment there in the Constitution, and so if we are going to surveil an American citizen and it's all part of some espionage uh, thing, there's this secret court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, that the authorities, let's say the FBI, has to go to and get permission to uh, surveil that person, which is what they did with, uh, with Carter Page. Uh, Carter Page was a low-level Trump guy, and so they thought he was uh, a liaison with the Russians, and so they wanted to surveil him. But if you look at the the things that are required of the intelligence agencies to to do in order to obtain permission to conduct this surveillance, uh, the FBI didn't. They they did as the uh, Inspector General's report uh, found. I think it was like seventeen different things that they did wrong when they were doing this. And the the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court was. Um, that whole system, that purported system of safeguards, was much abused. Now, in this, um, in this whole saga, one of the great heroes of it has been a congressman named Devin Nunez. Devin Nunez has been one of the people, he's on the House Intelligence Committee, and he has been one of the people who has been, I, I would just describe as heroic in his... Um, his efforts to get at the truth, what actually happened, um, and he has been shown to be to have been right um, over and over again. Now, in the aftermath of this, the uh, just a few days ago, the um, the current FBI director apologized to the uh, the FISC, apologized for the egregious misbehavior that the FBI had uh, engaged in in the in that whole previous. Affair, so he apologized. That that part is good. But then the FISA court asked a gentleman named David Chris K R I S to be their, um, you know, they they've accepted the fact that they have to revamp the system. They have to reform the system. But David Chris was one of the hostile people attacking. Devin Nunez. Devin Nunez is a congressman trying to bring accountability to bear on the intelligence agencies who were abusing the system. And now that the facts are out, it's clear that Devin Nunez was correct. And the FBI was really misbehaving and not, they were being, they were being dirty cops. And incidentally, nobody's gone to jail yet for being a dirty cop, but they were being dirty cops. Nunez was trying to expose them, and he was being fought tooth and nail. One of the people fighting Devin Nunez was David Chris, who's now been appointed to help head up the much-needed reforms. <laughs> Golly, this, this kind of thing would make a cat laugh. Always will be Hamartiology. The next word we're going to consider is aspandas. Aspondos, A-S-P-O-N-D-O-S. And it only occurs twice in the New Testament. In one place, it is rendered as implacable, 
and in the other as truce breaker, implacable in one and the other as truce breaker. In Romans 1, it comes in the middle of a list of other sins. Uh, and as I said before, in the New Testament, sins are like grapes. They come in bunches. Um, everywhere you, uh, this is something you see all through the New Testament. When sins are described, they're described in clusters. Sins are a herd animal. Romans 1.31 says, Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, there's our word, espondos, implacable, unmerciful. James tells us that the wisdom that is from above is, quote-unquote, easily entreated. Someone who is implacable is someone who's really hard to entreat. You go talk to them, you hope to soften them, you hope to make them reconsider what they're doing. It's like bouncing a ping-pong ball off a bronze statue's forehead. Um, really, They're really hard to entreat. But the wisdom from above, uh, James says, is easily entreated. And this use in Romans is interesting because earlier in the Romans list, we have covenant breaker, which is very close to the other way that this one word is translated. In other words, in Romans 1, you have covenant breakers, and then a few words later, implacable. And then in 2 Timothy 3, 3, without natural affection, truce breakers, there's our word, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. So, uh, someone who's, uh, when you think of this word, think of hardness. When someone is implacable, they are hard. When someone breaks a solemn commitment or a truce or a covenant, they can only do that because of hardness. They are uh, inflexible, unbendable, and not in a good way. They're implacable. So, our book review this time around for Plodcast 128 is a book called uh, The Year of Our Lord, 1943. Now, that's an odd title for a book, The Year of Our Lord, 1943. Uh, this book is by Alan Jacobs. Um, Alan Jacobs. And uh, it's a really interesting book. Um, what he does is um, he takes the year, 1943, which is obviously it's a a year right in the middle of the second world war but the war began for england in 1939 the united states didn't get into the war until 1941 but by 1943 it was apparent uh to everyone i think that the allies were going to win the war uh, that the that germany was going to lose the war and a number of thinkers began their thoughts began to turn to how are we going to rebuild civilization how we're going to rebuild our culture after this devastating uh war and in this year 1943 alan jacobs looks at a number of thinkers who gave themselves who who gave themselves to this task of envisioning what what we're going to have to do after the war in order to rebuild. And um, one of the thinkers was a, a young lady named Simone Weil. I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, Simone Weil, W-E-I-L. Another writer that he addresses is T.S. Eliot, and then Maritain, and uh, Auden, uh, and C.S. Lewis. 
all of these writers in different ways, in different shapes, in different forms, were addressing what, what is the actual, what must the foundation of a civilization be? What must a culture be built on? And C.S. Lewis, for example, wrote, and you can see this frame of mind, uh, he wrote that hideous strength during the war. Uh, but it's very. But the book is set sometime indiscriminately after the war, and I think it's Mother Dimble. One of the characters says it's almost as when, when they're dealing with all of these uh, bad characters in uh, their town. She says it's almost as though we had lost the war. Uh, th- this is the mentality: we won the war, but we won the, the World War II. In one sense, was a war. In another sense, World War II was simply a battle in a much longer war, a much greater war. Uh, and, this, and you have that sense in Lewis's uh, writing. And a number of these thinkers were saying, how can, we, how can we approach the question of Christian culture or Christian presence in culture? Uh, what, what are we going to do when we, what are we going to do when we win? Year of Our Lord, uh, 1943. Uh, if you are a fan of intellectual history and you like um, tracing the ins and outs of, uh, you know, uh, Auden, the poet who spent a bunch of the war in the United States, uh, Eliot, who was an American from St. Louis who went, went to England and eventually became a British citizen, uh, Lewis, who was an Englishman who was there in England throughout the war, it's it's really interesting. Good book. Mm-hmm.